Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, and wow, we have a lot to talk about. It's almost as if this is the week that college football camps open. Oh wait, it is. We still don't know if there's going to be any games, but there are now games scheduled. There's breaking news about a great player who will not be playing in college football this year, uh, following yet another great player who wasn't going to be playing college football this year. To break it all down, we bring in Nicole Auerbach. You know her, you love her. You read all about it when the Big Ten released its schedule, and Nicole had the whole story behind the story, why they did it the way they did it. Because I know a lot of people, Nicole, probably looked at that and go, September 5th? What? Why did they bother talking about it for that long? Why didn't they just put the schedule out? So I actually, it's funny because like I, I don't know if I always consider myself a schedule nerd, but now I'm fascinated by how these are coming together and yeah it it is a puzzle this one's literally called jenga 41 which is an awesome name for a schedule because the 41 refers to and i just sent you a draft model of the schedule not the one that they put out with all the fancy logos and you can literally see how many games they made sure have shared buys to potentially make up so they're calling those collapsible games because they know for sure that it will you know that you don't even need to think twice like okay you can make up that game it can collapse into a bye week 41 of the games on their schedules can do that. So it's divisional games that are important. It's rivalry games that are important. And like you said, the September 5th piece is, hey, if they can't start September 5th, all of week one can just fold to November 28th. It is not a problem. So it's really flexible, which is the key for all of these. But it's really cool to think about like how that all comes together. Well, that's the thing we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago when it became clear the SEC was going to go later and they were going to start September 26th and then the the Pac-12 followed suit. We don't know what the right answer for this is, whether it's start later or whether it's give yourself as much flexibility as possible. But the Big Ten opted for as much flexibility as humanly possible. And we'll see how that goes. We we, we don't know if anybody's going to (laughs) play. Right, right. It's funny because, and I'm sure you've been getting this too, a lot of people have been like, oh, now that we have schedules, it just feels more likely that the season's going to happen. And to which I say, well, there was always going to be a schedule because you needed to have something for if they can play this In case it does happen, yes. But it literally does not impact whether or not it's more likely. It's just, here is the plan if they can play. And as we've been emphasizing, it is the most flexibility possible. So if you can play you can play as many games as you can. That's the whole point here. So it doesn't really affect, because again, we're talking about like local healthcare systems and testing and return time to get your results. And all those things did not change at all. But we did get start dates, which means to your initial point, camps can open, which is an unknown, right? No one's known if you have you know more teammates together in closer proximity if that means like all of a sudden there's going to be huge outbreaks on these teams that have been managing COVID well. So we're going to start to learn if that's the case, how that works. Yeah, it it is going to be interesting. And I do feel like there is some sort of mental thing, though, knowing that there are dates and games. And part of this for me, I think, Nicole, is I look at the schedule that the Big Ten put out. I look at what the ACC put out. And I just like these schedules and would like to see them happen even if they don't happen this year i kind of like to see them in another year like 
these look kind of awesome. So this was something that I asked Larry Scott last week when the Pac-12 put out theirs. I said, do you think that people will actually stick to playing 10 conference games? Like, these schedules do look awesome, and the reason you're in a conference is because you want to play the teams in your conference, right? Like, you have some sort of attachment to them. And he was saying that it's kind of funny because the Pac-12, just like the Big Ten, has gotten knocked sometimes for playing nine league games because it's more difficult and you maybe have a more likely of a chance to, to to lose a game but you know it this is one of the big selling points this is one of the things that people are most excited about like the sec playing 10 conference games going from eight to ten that's a huge difference so he said that he could see it sticking he could see that as a possibility he said you know you, you can't get ahead of yourself right now but i do think you've got to see the reactions to this the fact the flexibility that's given um, but just we've always been so excited about Power 5 versus Power 5 non-conference games. We've, we've talked about, okay, if you play 9, if you play 8, what if you had to play 10 minimum for playoff contention? All these things. Well, we're getting a preview of it, even if these games don't happen, even if you only get through a couple games. We see it in a schedule form, and it's awesome. And yeah. Like, it just it makes you want to do it because it's been a hypothetical, and here it's not. Here it's written out on paper. Yeah, and I think you know we haven't seen the SEC win yet. That's an, I'm, I'm sure there's a fist fight going on somewhere in Birmingham, Alabama, over which two teams get added to, to which schedule. But I don't think they'll want to go back. If, if they manage to pull off that season, the SEC fan base will not want to go back. Here, they will be too satisfied with that. Here's my favorite part of this. So part of the reason the SEC never went to nine – just because other leagues did, was they were like, oh, there's regional rivalries, there's all these important... We don't need to do this, right? Like, what we do works for us. Now they're like, well, if we play a 10-game schedule, it'll be the toughest schedules ever, right? Like, so, great. Like, let's all lean into that. If that if that's the talking point you guys want to do, let's do it. Do it every there, there, year. There is always a way to spin it. Yeah, and I'm saying, like, let's, let's support the spin. Like, if it leads to more 10-game conference schedules, let's do it. Oh, yeah, I, I, I am all for it. And then, you know, there there is a little piece of this because we have the, the crew that always says, well, this is when the, the Power Five is going to break away from the NCAA, and this is the proof of it. I have always been one of those people that says, listen, nobody wants to stage another track meet. Nobody wants to stage another softball tournament. They don't want to deal with the BS that the NCAA deals with. That's why they have the NCAA. And as our colleague Stuart Mandel always says, you're going to be really disappointed when they just create the NCAA again. But I start to wonder now, like I look at this and I go, as a product, maybe this works better. Okay, Red just got a ball stuck. Hold on. Nicole's co-host, Red Auerbach, occasionally uh, inserts his fuzzy head into the show, and that's fine. We're good with that. He, um, the only times he ever barks is when he gets, he has his favorite little plastic ball. If it gets stuck under something and he can't get it, that is the only time he barks. Is it cigar shaped? Because Red Auerbach no. needs a cigar toy. Well, he, he does have a cigar toy, yes. But he has a little, like, stretchy, bouncy ball that he's obsessed with. He's very athletic. Like, he was aptly named. Um, he has, like, a four-foot vertical. He's obsessed with playing catch. Um, you know, I mean, the basketball genes are there. But sometimes he is annoying and gets it stuck under things that, like, barely fit this little plastic thing. Bob Cousy would be proud. But So let, let's, let's get back to the, the, the idea of the product itself and yeah, I don't think anybody's breaking away from the NCAA right now but I do wonder if this is sort of a test case for 
How would this all work if it were just all Power Five together? So before we answer those hypotheticals, because I, I do think it's worth going down that road, um, and a lot of people are right now, the first thing I'll say is for all the threats of splitting off that have always existed, that existed when they went to become an autonomous five in the first place and get special rules and privileges, the NCAA basketball tournament is still the glue holding this whole thing together. So if we don't have an NCAA tournament again, then boom. Okay, right? Like then the whole model explodes. The NCAA- well, and, 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 and let, me, let me throw this at you. I know this is a college football podcast, but we all love the tournament. What if you just let all the Power 5 schools into the tournament and that was the tournament? You, you know, you don't have Valparaiso anymore. You don't have Well, that's what, it, that's what would happen but, but, if but, it split off. Yeah, but Ole Miss might become your Cinderella, depending on the year. So, I think there is something to be said for it, it, tr- it really being mid-majors and low-majors and, and that piece of the puzzle staying. Because, again, like a few years ago when the Autonomous 5 began and they split off and got autonomy – we had the same conversation, you know, could Illinois be a Cinderella? And I, I think there's so much at stake and the, the little guy and kind of the democratization of the tournament is still so important to so many people. But, but we just had a year where we didn't have it for the first time. The money that was associated did not go to all the members. It didn't go to the NCAA, who, by the way, needs it because the ring, they have a bunch of court cases and exactly. they have to pay a lot of lawyers. If that happens again, does the NCAA survive as the entity that we right. know as, it? As a, as a viable entity, you're, you're right. You're exactly right. I mean, you're talking about three-quarters of a billion dollars that you lost. You had insurance on a third of that. If you lose it again, you're not, probably not insured to lose it again. So that's over a billion dollars that you've, you've lost that you were expecting. That would be very difficult to come back from. But you're right about that. Now, I, will, I would argue that the tournament is equally easy to gamble on as long as you got a bracket. And I think that... That is, that keep, is a key part. Absolutely. That, that would sustain the popularity. So it, we would miss out on Mercer beating Duke, but everybody would still be as happy when Duke lost to Cal. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think that... To, so to me, which that's happened where, the Jason Kidd, Tony Gonzalez team beat Duke. Yeah. So so to me though, like that's the focal point when we talk about like if and when there could be a, a, a split soon. It's whether or not that tournament happens this year versus like right now. Like I know that there's you know I've had conversations with administrators who legitimately think that you could do a Power Five championship in soccer. And then you talk to other ones and they go, listen, there was all the incentives in the world and money in the world for the football conferences, for the football to work together. And they didn't right. do it. So why would you do it for soccer and volleyball and things for a football season that might not happen? Right. So, so to, again, I think the incentive isn't quite there. I mean, it's there as a threat, right? Like you want right. to threat. It, it, it's still there as a threat. Mike Slive, the, the late Mike Slive, former commissioner of the SEC, famously threatened to break away if, if they didn't get the autonomy privileges that they have today. And I, I forget exactly how he put it, but it was at that, that event in New York that we go to every year that, that Sports Business Journal puts on. And it was one of those that he said one sentence and you're like, okay, gotcha. <laughs> well, it's... It, Message received. But, and, but already, I think 
the rest of Division One and the NCAA already received the message right now, right? Like they already, the Board of Governors already punted this decision to each division. So Division Two canceled, Division Three canceled their falls, which is which is how it should have been, by the way, because very different. They have di- there are different totally divisions different. because they're different. <laughs> so right now you've got it. Division One is making the call for themselves. And it's going to the Division One Council, which, by the way, has weighted voting for the Power Five. So, like, they already, you know, threw their weight around and got the decision to where they need to be. They're going to buy time to figure out if they can play football, which is the whole point of this. It was the whole point of threatening that you could just have your own championships. You don't need the NCAA. So I don't, I don't necessarily buy that as something that would actually happen. I, I think, you know, again... You, you could definitely see a split. I mean, there's clearly different motivations and interests in different levels of this thing. But right now, they seem to have the leverage and the power to determine football, if it's viable, and then the other fall sports can be affected after. If you love barbecue like you know I do, you know it takes a lot of time. You're working. You're maybe taking care of the kids while you work from home right now. It's tough. You don't have time to smoke something for 16 hours. Well, let me tell you a little bit about chicken ribs because you can get that same smoke flavor and a lot fewer calories, a lot less fat. So chickenribs.com. Sounds weird. Chicken ribs? It's chicken thighs covered in pork rub, smoked, and they taste and eat like a rib. It's a huge hunk of meat on a small bone. Tastes very much like a pork rib. But a quarter of the fat, a lot less calories. Oh, by the way, really, really easy to get going. Because listen, we, we don't have time to smoke stuff. But if you go to chickenribs.com, they will send you your chicken ribs. You thaw them out. When you're ready, you put them in your air fryer. You warm them up on the grill. You warm them up in the oven. And they taste like they came right from the smokehouse. We know great barbecue tastes time. But Chicken Ribs makes it easy, fully cooked from the smokehouse, authentic barbecue ready in just minutes. Go to www.chickenribs.com. Use the code ANDY today to get $10 off plus free two-day shipping. Who doesn't love perfectly smoked meat? Watching games now that they're back on TV? Or maybe you're just making dinner for the family. Chickenribs.com. Use the code ANDY for $10 off plus free two-day shipping. So let's talk games themselves because as we talk i am looking at a schedule grid Mm -hmm. that is the acc schedule that has notre dame on it playing an acc schedule by the way and it is uh it's something notre dame's got a pretty good draw i would say we already knew that clemson was coming to them so they get florida state but they're coming to them too the school that really probably should be maddest about this i feel like is florida state because they got between you, – you have your Between Two Ferns podcast. This is your Between Two Open Dates section for Florida State. At Notre Dame, North Carolina, at Louisville. Mm. Welcome to the ACC, Mike Norvell. Yeah. Well, I, just let's – can we just go back for a second? We're looking at an sure. ACC schedule that lists Notre Dame and 10 ACC opponents. I just, just – And Western Michigan. Yes, congrats to Western Michigan. But – I, it's just, 
remarkable to see this. And our writers did a roundtable reacting to the schedule. And that was like the big winner, right? For both sides. Notre Dame got a full schedule this year, despite a global pandemic wiping out their schedule. And the ACC has 10 games involving Notre Dame. They have Notre Dame Clemson scheduled to be played in November. Like that is just awesome. Yeah, I I think, the Notre Dame thing's interesting to me because you have all those people that hate Notre Dame. They're like, join a conference, man. You shouldn't get bailed out. Who don't understand that Notre Dame's business relationship with the ACC is also beneficial for the ACC. So the ACC was not going to leave Notre Dame behind. I remember I had this guy tweeting at me about two months ago. You don't know the ACC is going to bail Notre Dame out. And I'm like, mm, actually, I do because people in the ACC have told me they will. But as, as long as they got the NBC money, which they did. Yeah, which they did. Yeah. Which, which is interesting because... If, if Notre Dame, and this is, I don't think most people realize, if Notre Dame was a full member of the ACC, it would get more money from ESPN yes. than it gets from NBC. Right. It is, the, the, what it does as an independent, there is, and, and Pete Sampson has written about this multiple times, our colleague who covers Notre Dame. There are so many benefits and pieces of like your identity that Notre Dame takes from being an independent that are worth more to it than just joining the ACC for the bigger paycheck, right? So... It's a little bit... The way that people talk about Notre Dame is wrong a lot of times. But in this case, they have a financial relationship with the ACC. They're playing a certain amount of football games. Their other, their other teams are housed in this conference. Made all the sense in the world for both of them to come to the table and do this. It was very different. Like There were bizarre rumors going around about like the Big 12 adding BYU as a full member for this year. That made no sense. They don't have that existing relationship that the ACC and Notre Dame did, which is why they came right. together for this. But Which is why it was easy for them to come together because yeah. they already have a relationship. The, the other part of this schedule I'm, I'm looking at is, uh, so we mentioned Clemson. Now, Clemson obviously is the runaway favorite in the ACC. If these games happen, Clemson's going to have to play at Notre Dame, then they'll have an open date. Then they go to Tallahassee mm-hmm. when the Seminoles might have some stuff worked out by that point. Then they get Pitt, which is a, a pretty talented team, but we don't know how, how good they are together. And then at Virginia Tech. I mean, that's, that's not easy, especially considering we don't know yet what the Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence situation is going to be. No, it's a great point. But I will say, you know, what's interesting is if, if we're talking about – we're talking about ultimate flexibility and – also, one thing that's going to continue to be a major factor here is travel restrictions from different states. Mm-hmm. So actually, I, I think it's interesting that Clemson has Wake Forest, a trip to Wake Forest, obviously not too far, and then three home games, and then a trip to Georgia Tech that's not too far, right, as their first games. Right. To me, that actually seems to give them a likelihood of getting them in, like on time close yeah. to on time getting the game so in, yeah. it depends right if we don't think that there if you don't think that there might be a full season and that Clemson will get to that back half of the schedule like they will be in pretty good position early I, I it's it's, it's yeah. one of those scheduling conversations where you wonder should you have front-loaded certain games and we've had this conversation on this podcast yeah because then you know hopefully you can get them in but you give yourself more time to make them up and that's not really the case in Clemson's schedule even though if you push back the championship game you have some weekends on the back end I still would have liked to see some of those marquee games early just in case well let's talk about the Big Ten in that case because that is one of the things that they did is, is they moved their games around the most important one, of course, Michigan-Ohio State is now October 24th. Yes. Now, would 
when we talked earlier, we were talking about maybe moving that game to week one. What did you think about where they wound up putting that? Well, I asked their scheduling people about that and said that would have been what I did. And and they understand the, the thinking behind that. But to them, the way that it is slotted in, and there's a number of pretty decent rivalry games in the middle of the schedule here. They color-coded this thing about which games can easily fold into which bye weeks. Now, they coordinated. The entire East Division has a bye week on November 14th. So right, right there, Michigan-Ohio State can, can slot in. Also, November 28th, the entire league has off. So if any na- games need to be made up there. and which, which is when it would have originally been played. Yes, and if they push a championship game to the 12th or the 19th of December – there's all these extra Saturdays. So they felt that that was plenty of time to give it a chance to be made up if needed. Um, but, you know, and, but I get it. I get it. And, and it's certainly better than putting it at the end of the year and, again, cutting off at least a couple of those options. Um, but I still would have played it week one. I still would have done that. And, and, you know, you have two buys built in. So, you know, then you could have made it up that second one. But, you know, again, these decisions were not made above me. They did want to do all crossover games for week one because the coaches did not want to go straight into divisional play. So I get I get it. I get it. We have a new sponsor called Artifact, and this is a really, really cool idea. Basically, you can make your own personalized podcast episodes about whatever you want. Give them to friends, to family. I would give any amount of money, any amount of money, to have my mom talking about her life so that my kids could listen to it. She passed away before they were born, and I've told them all about her, but I would love to hear her voice talking about her life. You can do something like that with Artifact Now. You don't even think about it right now, but it's one of those things that you will cherish and love. All you have to do Do what I did. You go to heyartifact.com. You tell them a few basic things about what you want the artifact to be about and invite folks for interviews. It was really easy. It took a few minutes. I'll be sharing my personal episode with you when it's ready, but for now, you can go to heyartifact.com and hear some samples. There's a ton of ways to use artifact to capture stories with your friends and family. And when you're ready to make an artifact of your own, use the code Andy to get $40 off your first one. That's heyartifact.com and use the code Andy for $40 off. It's a great idea. There's so many different ways to use this. Family histories. I don't know. Maybe you, you are going to propose to somebody, and you're going to do the story of how you met, and then you're going to talk to their parents and interview them and your friends and interview them, and at the end, you pop the question on Artifact. Who wouldn't want that? That, that is the ultimate keepsake. Go to heyartifact.com, code Andy, and give it a try. Well, and, and so crossover is a, an important thing here. We're going to hear more about it when the SEC reveals the two extra cross-divisional opponents that everybody's going to play. But there was an issue with that in the Big Ten. And look, we don't know if these games are going to be played, so we don't know if this actually matters or not. But if the games get played, the big winner in that whole deal is Wisconsin because who did they get out of their schedule? Rutgers. They do not have to play Ohio State. They do not have to play Penn State. They do not have to play Michigan. Well, is that a winner? Or, it, I mean, they don't have to play Michigan State. It, I'm sorry. Is that a winner, or would you wanted to play those types of teams? Like, are you annoyed that you only got Rutgers as a crossover? I'd like to be undefeated. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the the thing is, if I have to wind up playing Ohio State anyway in Indianapolis, I'd rather just be undefeated because 
at this point, we don't we have no idea what the postseason is going to look like if there is a postseason. So we don't know if they're going. Are they going to expand the playoffs so that the the champion of each conference gets in? Are they going to just try to vote for four with everybody playing conference only schedules? I mean, I, if that if that's going to happen, I'd just rather be undefeated. I like also with Wisconsin's schedule. They've got at Michigan on Halloween, then a bye, then at Iowa, then Rutgers to close. Like, that is, if you're going to do those types of teams, that's the order you want it and the spacing you want it, too. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'd, you know, if, at Michigan, at Iowa is no fun. If you got a week in between, it's it's a little bit more manageable. But, yeah, I, I mean, I look at the West, and it feels like, okay, Wisconsin's the team to beat in the West. Now, th- we can get to our other big topic as we discussed the Big Ten West, though, because, you know, I kind of thought the Big Ten West might come down to pre-pandemic, when just coming out of last season, thought it might come down again to, to Minnesota and Wisconsin. We learned this week that Rashad Bateman, the Minnesota receiver, is not going to play. He's going to opt out of this season and just start training for the draft. We learned on Thursday that Micah Parsons, the great linebacker at Penn State, doing the same thing. We're going to get more of these. We had Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech announced it last week. Nicole, who, who else do you think we're in danger of losing here in college football? I mean, anyone that is potentially a first or second round draft pick. Um, and to be honest, I don't blame them. I mean, we don't know what the long-term health effects of this virus are. You've seen a number of college football players who have battled it talk about that now and, you know, potential lung issues or heart issues. If you're a guy like Micah Parsons or Rashad Bateman, you're a freak athlete and you're about to get your paycheck, why would you risk that? Why would you be in a college campus environment where you can't control? It's the opposite of a bubble because obviously, you know, you're not even staying in the same um, you know, building as your your teammates and getting daily tested and all the stuff that the NBA is doing. But you're also going to be around regular college students who don't have, you know, they're going to be going to parties, they're going to be going to bars, they're going to be interacting and mingling with each other, and you're around them. So, uh, you know, the, the risk is really great. And, you know, if you have the potential to get a first-round NFL draft paycheck, like, you got to take it. And it's funny because we thought that this was going to be something that would happen if there was a spring season, Right. And, mm, you know, turns out it's going to happen no matter well, what, a sem- what a fall season yeah, looks I mean, like, cause, too. Yeah, I mean, because you've got the unknown with this season. I had somebody in my mailbag say, is this going to open the floodgates in future years for draft-eligible juniors who've put two good years on tape to just opt out? And I don't think it will because in a normal year, when you don't have this mysterious disease that we're still learning about that is is something you're at risk for, in a normal year... If you're a projected second-round draft pick, you stand to make millions by playing and playing your way into the first round. You know, this year's different because the cost-benefit analysis is different because you don't know what happens if you catch the disease. Well, how about this, too? If you're a guy who wants to improve their draft stock, why would you finish the season? Play a couple games? Mm Mm-hmm. And call it after a good game. I, I think this is just something we're going to continue to see. I mean, you're also seeing opt-outs of guys that aren't draft eligible and are just going right. to miss who, the Who year. just are worried about it from a health standpoint. But then you also see Justin Fields, named a captain at Ohio State, who Justin Fields is one of those guys, if he wants to opt out, nobody would blame him. He's probably a top five pick right now, doesn't really need to do anything different. And they ask him about... Michigan, he goes, I don't care when we play him. I just want to beat the brakes off him. Like, he's planning to play, it sounds like. Now, that that could change. But I, I also think people should understand 
there are going to be some players you're going to be shocked will play. And because there are some people who just like football that much and they're going to play no matter what and don't understand why anybody wouldn't play. Absolutely. And that's part of the reason, you know, when we talk about like, should players play? Like, should their parents let them come back? All of these things. Like, a lot of the players want to play. They love football. They want to improve their draft stock and get to the NFL someday, right? Like, there is a lot of reasons to try to play, but also there's reasons not to. And you're going to see both. And this has been something that, you know, I'm sure you've had these conversations with agents as well. They've been expecting this. Oh, yeah. This yep. mass exodus. Not, maybe not mass exodus, but an exodus of top talent. Now, the, the agents are an interesting spot because they want to make sure you're pretty good before they take you on as an opt-out because they've got to foot the bill for your training. For a long, yeah, a lot of months. Usually they're just paying for your training like January on, and this is different. So you may... you you will see some agents kind of making the decision for some players. If there's a player that's kind of on the cusp and he's like, well, I may want to opt out. The agent may go, mm, I don't think you're worth an extra hundred grand. So you may want to just play. That's absolutely positive. Pop, pop. Absolutely possible. Can't speak. Um, I, I think again, it, this is just the beginning. Like again, there were, there were a lot of people and a lot of coaches who thought, that this would happen for a spring season. And we're saying, you know, if, if the possibility of a fall season stays, like, they'll stay, they'll stick. Um, you know, they've still got agents in their ears, but they'll want to play. And, you know, clearly that's not the case. We haven't even opened camp yet in a lot of places. And this is already happening, already decisions being made. And I, I just think it's going to continue. And, you know, thankfully, I would say that the, the discourse seems to be very different than when Christian McCaffrey opted out of a bowl game, right? And everyone right. freaked out, him and Leonard Fournette. Like, by, by the way, Nicole, I, I will refuse to freak out about bowl because I, I set a rule that first year. I said, I'll freak out about people opting out of bowl games the second there are more people who leave their teams before bowl games than coaches who leave their teams before bowl games. And it hasn't happened mm, yet. It's a good rule. It's a good rule. It's a good rule. So I, I think that... Thankfully, people seem to understand that there are health reasons to do this, what's at stake for these players. Um, I, I think that if we have a college football season and we don't have some of the top, top tier stars, people are still going to watch. People are still going to be excited. They're still got the same uniform and the same team on the front and the same alma maters that you've always had. So to me, it's one of those things like, where people talk about, well, how are you know, what are we going to argue about with the playoff if people play different amounts of games? It's a yeah, good problem to have. You're going to keep arguing. If we get to that point, <laughs> That's, enough. They like that. And and enough games, enough games would have been played that yes. we're arguing that. Yeah, right? that like, is that's a positive a development. And so if there's if there's a season and it doesn't have Michael Parsons and Rashad Bateman, and it doesn't have you know some star quarterbacks, it's still a good problem because it means you had a season. You just had maybe the talent level was a little bit different. wasn't what you expected. Guys didn't have a full off season, so maybe there was some ugliness in some early games. But it still is a good problem because you got a season. Exactly. In. There Enough are of the so season. many asterisks that you know it, it's. You just have to accept that this is going to be a weird one, and there's nothing you can do about that. It's <laughs> it is what it is, and I think. Eventually, they'll get back to normal. And everybody who thinks that this season is going to change everything, I, I don't know that it is. I, I think the scheduling piece of it, if this season happens, you may see some consumer demand change it. But I don't know that it's going to change necessarily 
the way people view entering the NFL draft because it doesn't it's not going to change any of the other parts of it. It's not going to change the agent piece of it. It's not going to change the NFL's evaluation piece of it. So don't worry so much about what the long-term effects of... Yeah, and it's kind of the same thing when you talk about like Notre Dame. Like, oh, are they going to join the ACC forever now? It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, just look at this as a one-year weird situation in everything. If, if it goes to the point where people are looking at a spring season instead and it becomes like two years of weirdness... That's fine. That's fine. But but you're right. It's about just getting through this. It's surviving and advancing, right? Like getting through 2020. And whatever that looks like, if you can get a semblance of a regular season in for college football, it's a win. Wow. We started out with a uh, unexpected NCAA basketball tournament conversation, and we, we ended with a little survive and advance. I, this is becoming the greatest huh? college basketball <laughs> podcast of all time, Nicole. <laughs> yes. And it's it's... August, whatever, and fall camps are about to start. But, you know, there's some good comparisons. And it's a, I do think the NCAA tournament is an important thing to keep in mind when you talk about these threats of splitting off. So um, we don't even know if we're getting that season on time, if we're, you know, what that's going to look like. But that'll give us fodder for well, another day. You know day. what? I know that Red Auerbach is playing ball today. That's all I know. And that's what matters. Yes, he'll have his victory cigar later. Nicole Auerbach, thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Andy.